Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. This is episode number 17. Welcome to today's show. I am excited to share today's episode with you because it's a pretty special occasion. First of all, this week is Alyssa's and my two-year wedding anniversary, uh, which means that it's also our two-year anniversary of living full-time in the RV and traveling around the country. I cannot believe it's been that long. When we were dating, I could never have predicted that this would be our lifestyle, this weird, incredible RVing lifestyle that we've chosen. But now that we're in it, I honestly could not imagine doing anything else. Also, today's episode is another special occasion because today is the very first time I'm interviewing a solo female RV entrepreneur. Jill Sessa has been driving her RV and Vespa scooter around the United States for over three years. Honestly, have not met many solo female travelers on the road, and I'm sure the number who run their own kind of business while also solo full-time traveling is even less. By the way, I brought this up to Jill in today's show, and she even put me in my place by telling me there are way more female solo travelers than you think. Oh, well, I guess I didn't know that. You'll hear more about that in today's show. A few things we talk about in today's episode is why after turning 40 years old, Jill decided to leave her old business in New York City and start new on the road. Also, why she believes starting a service style business is one of the best kinds of companies you can create on the road and why she believes full-time travel can be great for a person like her with ADD. And we also go into some of the reasons why she's not afraid to travel around full-time by herself as a female solo traveler and some more on that topic. This conversation today with Jill was awesome. Awesome, and I'm excited for you to dig in. But first, I want to thank today's sponsor, the Hurdler app. Hurdler seamlessly tracks all of your income streams, expenses, and tax deductions in real time on the go, saving you time and maximizing profit in your business. This is an app that was built for freelancers and entrepreneurs. Hurdler is awesome because once you turn it on, it'll run in the background of your phone, track your mileage, giving you estimated tax deductions after each trip you take. For people like Alyssa and I, we spend a lot of time driving because that's our lifestyle and part of our business as we drive cross country to meet with clients or produce content for our sponsor companies like Winnebago. So using Hurdler, we get an alert after each time we drive somewhere that we can write off X number of dollars from that trip. And so we'll get a little notification on our phone. It'll pop up and say, you just saved X amount of dollars based off the miles that you drove for this business trip. It's really awesome. Hurdler will also sync up with your bank account and give you an estimated tax write-off for not just things like gas, but every single one of your business expenses. Little things like coffee, meals with clients, and all the costs that add up over the course of the year that entrepreneurs and freelancers can sometimes be really bad at keeping up with. I'm terrible at keeping up with this stuff. Plus, Hurdler will keep tabs on your income stream so that you'll know on a month-to-month basis what kind of taxes you'll owe at the end of the year. To learn more about Hurdler and download their free app, go to heathpaget.com forward slash episode 17 and click on the link in the show notes for hurdler that's heathpaget.com forward slash episode 17 episode spelled out and then the number 17 all right let's get into today's show with jill sessa all right today i'm interviewing jill sessa jill took off in her vespa three years ago and began a new kind of lifestyle on the road at first she was staying at friends places or grabbing cheap hotels online and then she decided to upgrade to an rv Nice choice. For the past few years, she's ran a business called UltimateWPHelp.com. WP stands for WordPress, if you didn't know, helping people manage and build their websites. Jill, thanks for being on the show with me. Hey, that's awesome. First of all, to finally kind of meet you, but I really <laughs> appreciate you having me here on the show. Yeah, now, now I'm done with my professional introduction, so we can be done with that. Awesome. <laughs> so you're 
where you are right now is the exact spot where I recorded episode 10 with Kevin Halesh in Hot Springs National Park. That is crazy. I love it because it's just in this random, all the paths people can take, the fact that three of us were like truly, literally in the same exact spot within a short period of time is cool. And just like a month, I you know, our paths barely crossed when you were in Austin and we didn't get to hang out. But how's the hot springs been? I am obsessed with this town. I absolutely love it. It kind of hits all the, the right buttons. You've got plenty of nature, but a, a very decent sized town close by for kind of big box needs if you need that, but then a super cool small town feel. So I really love it. Yeah, and they're about to kick you out of the park, right? Because you've been there 14 days. Yeah, 14 Just milking days the, the $10 spot night. Yep, $10. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it really um, is. It's, uh, they have 14 days for for the Gulf of Gorge campground. If you wanted to stay outside of town, you could stay 30 days at the National Forest, which is pretty close. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So I'm always, okay, I'm always interested in hearing, because uh, this is our first time to chat, but... What was one of the the first driving reasons for you to actually hit the road on your Vespa? Sure. Uh, I actually have to back up a couple of months or um, almost eight months to the real impetus is so cheesy that I have to mention it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I turned 40 on the day Hurricane Sandy hit New York, and I was living in New York City at the time. And... It really was one of those moments as your big birthday party gets canceled and all of your friends aren't coming into town. And uh, it just turned into this kind of very interesting atmosphere for a couple of days. And I started really looking around. We were having some business pressures with my former business and lots of stuff was going on. I had moved back to New York for family reasons, but I had been living in Buffalo, New York, a very different town than Brooklyn. And so this Buffalo is like a ghost town almost. It's just like abandoned buildings and stuff. No, Buffalo was just named the number one small town in the world. Really? Yes. By travel and leisure, no less. Not like some dinky little magazine. Buffalo is having a huge resurgence. We're going to have to do a whole nother podcast episode (laughs) on your thoughts. I had a totally different experience. Yeah. So I've. Yeah, I'll have to read that article because when we were driving through, I'm like, man, this place got hit in the recession hard. Anyway, keep going. It did. Anyway, but yeah, so I loved Buffalo, but I had moved back to Brooklyn for some reasons and uh, had a great business there. But I realized that our whole business was built online and there was really no reason for me to be in what was becoming an increasingly ridiculously expensive apartment building. And at that time, I was just surrounded by like a lot of people had become friends and still are, but some other people that were just really stereotypical nouveau riche New Yorkers. And I just, you know, caused me to analyze some things. And I had an opportunity that spring. So that's three years ago, uh, last month to ride my bike up and down the East Coast and was given a condo for a while and all of these things happened. And um, that's a story in and of itself. But if you get a chance to throw your bike on an Amtrak and just randomly take it off somewhere and ride, do it. It was just phenomenal. And it was head clearing for me, but it was also a very particular date. And I rode 86 miles without cell phone service and came out and my phone, as the kids say, was blowing up. And it was the day of the Boston Marathon, the Boston bombing. And one of our clients was New Balance, the major sponsor of the event. So instead of this sort of what I thought was going to be this head clearing space, I ended up really diving into doing some work for the next week. And that's a whole different aspect of our business. Um, 
but it was just really this moment of I can work anywhere, even in this circumstance, right? I mean, I was dealing with one of our great tragedies in this country, and yet I was sitting in a condo in Myrtle Beach, very comfortably working. And it just, you know, it started, the wheels were turning, the bike wheels were turning, and the brain wheels were turning. And I got back to New York about six weeks later, because <laughs> along the way, somebody said, hey, do you want to drive my Land Rover up from so-and-so? Hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to, you know, I was like, turned into this fun, awesome, crazy adventure. And um, got back to New York, and I said to my business partner, I think I'm going to ride my Vespa this summer. And he was like, you ride your Vespa every day? You know, like, just didn't understand where I was going with it. And I, I said, no, I think I'm taking off. And that was uh, an, end of April, beginning of May when that started to happen. And the Friday of Memorial Day weekend, Facebook took our app. We had a big app and Facebook took our app down with no notice. Um, it was a robo sort of decision and it was a three-day holiday weekend. And I had two of the biggest names in social media trying to get me an account rep, and even they couldn't. These are people that are doing you know, five, if not six, seven-figure monthly spends on Facebook and couldn't get us a human. And so we lost a massive amount of customers in a couple of days. And on Tuesday, got a whoops, our mistake. Needless to say, it was just, you know, all of these things were coming together to say I needed out. I needed out of the business. I needed out of New York. And I did. I just took off on the Vespa. I took everything that had been in the saddlebags of my bike and felt like I was upsizing because <laughs> <laughs> I now had a top case plus my saddlebags. And uh, I did a shakedown run up to our family home in Maine and came back and repacked everything and on July 1st, took off. And it's uh, it's been the proverbial road trip ever since. And so it was definitely part of it was was change and growth and family and business, you know, all kind of came together into a so cheesy, but the perfect storm. <laughs> um, but it was it was everything that happened around Hurricane Sandy changed New York um, in ways that I was really starting to feel. And so this the the road journey became a nice little release for me that has now turned into a life. Yeah. And the, the company that you were talking about, was this a company that you were owner in or were you working yes. there? Yeah, so you, you were an owner. OK, gotcha. <laughs> And uh, so, and then, so you're basically driving around doing this trip along the East Coast, and this crazy, terrible thing happens at the Boston Marathon, and you're just thinking, uh, you just kind of have this this space to think about, it, even though it's kind of a crazy time, and you start just tossing around that seed of the idea that's like, hey, I could I could actually do some of this work from anywhere, and you think, nah, that's crazy. Well, actually, no, I could. And is that kind of what was happening in your head at that time? Or? I uh, except minus the that's crazy part. It just really dawned on me that I was working. I mean, that was a serious week of work. I mean, it was 21 hours a day. And interestingly enough, I haven't had a TV since 9-11. So a long time since I've had a television. And now I was in somebody's condo during this next, you know, sort of great uh, American tragedy. And... I was now there was a box in front of me that I could turn on and I actually found myself like viscerally reacting to this news. I was personally involved in one very, very small aspect of it because of business, but 
when you're constantly bombarded with this not changing message. It wasn't like we were learning things minute to minute on TV. So I just, there, there was this notion that I was working, I was getting a lot of very meaningful work done, but I also was seeing these messages coming in. And I realized there was a reason I had turned that off all those years ago. And at the same time, there was also a reason all of this was happening. It was just telling me like, yep, you can do this. You can work. Don't let yourself get get distracted because that's what the TV was doing. It was causing a, a negative feeling. But I was also being very productive. And I realized, you know, laptops really have changed our world. Um, my business had only been online for a couple of years at that point as a very different business than I had had for 20 years. So it was just this like, wait a second, I'm working. I'm getting just as much work done, but I've got a beautiful beach in front of me. And we made it happen. And what happens when you're living in New York at you know, these beautiful luxury buildings, you have everything you need inside the walls of the building. So we had our groceries delivered. We had Wi-Fi everywhere we walked in the building. We had a gym in the building. We had the pool table. We had the rec room, you know. So I never needed to actually leave that building. So why be in one of the quote-unquote greatest cities in the in the world if you're never even going out to see it? So instead, I realized I had this opportunity to both be very productive but see our beautiful country at, you know, it, it's easy to become myopic when you're in New York. And then when you get out of it, you realize, wow, there's so much more going on here. And even though we have uh, the only reason we have two TVs in our RV, which is ridiculous, is because we bought it with that many TVs. But we rarely watch them. If anything, we'll watch Netflix on our laptops. But it's it's hard to escape the news now because of Facebook and Twitter and Mm -hmm. things like that. So it's even now it's, it's like, even though we may not consume traditional 24 hour media, like CNN, you know, a lot of millennials, younger people don't, but it's still hard to escape that. So I think you have to be conscious about it. And uh, because for me, Facebook is really my only connection sometimes into humans. Um, It's uh, I have to be very, very careful that I don't let myself get drawn into it because it's easy to, and you kind of want to be part of the, the, the dialogue on some things, but I also realized it wasn't moving me forward. It wasn't moving my business forward. And it certainly wasn't making me feel good as a person um, to to let myself kind of be saturated in it. Yeah. Nobody and, nobody gets off Facebook and they're like, man, that was a good 30 minutes. I just right? like, woohoo, I feel refreshed. <laughs> <laughs> so ro- real quick, and then we'll then we'll keep moving forward. I don't want to go into too many details, but what was uh, just, what were you doing in that, that business that you were running? Like, what were you doing for clients? Were you doing the kind of the same work you're doing now or was it different? Uh, No, not really Uh, an aspect of it, but we had built two social media management apps and one of them did, as I said, interfaced with Facebook. It was a social posting app and um, it was brilliant. It was the best of its kind. Many people told us that I'm not just saying that my business partner is uh, an extraordinary coder. So that wasn't the issue at all, but being tied into somebody else's business model was because obviously a robot was able to take us down and like destroy our business in three days. So, um, but I also, and this, I can kind of then segue into what I do now because of this. Um, I had also done a lot of websites for our clients that we were doing social media for, But like many people, many developers, I would spin up a website and then if they weren't an ongoing social client, we never touched the website again. 
right? You know, you just, you develop it, you put it up, it goes there, you move on to the next, on to the next. That's very, very common in the development world. And it was a couple of um, months actually into being on the road that one of those clients contacted me. My website is all white. Is there anything I can do about it? (laughs) And that was at that moment that I was like, yep, I just found out what's going to fuel the journey. And that's when I turned to website management, which is what I do now. And you weren't thinking when you left that this is going to be a long-term thing. Like, did did one one business kind of, you know, one business opportunity kind of wind down and you're kind of figuring out what's next? And that's part of the thought process that's happening on this trip? Yeah, it was uh, – the the Vespa trip was not a lot of work. You know, it was – I was sort of – dabbling in our business, uh, probably to the chagrin of my then business partner. I wasn't doing as much work as I should have been, but I really was doing a lot of traveling. I crossed the country on a 250cc Vespa in 11 days of travel. Wow. You were hustling. So yeah, it wasn't, it was more than 11. It was 17 total days, but it was 11 days of actual travel. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't working a lot. And then, when I realized, oh, I, I love this travel part, but I was wet. It was a really wet summer and uh, I was always wet. So I decided to be a turtle and get a shell on and uh, found an RV. And at that point, what was in my head was that buying my friend's used RV instead of renting an RV for the next two months was going to be a wash financially. Because renting an RV is kind of expensive. Yeah, it's and, it, if you're gonna just a quick side note. I don't want to go too far, but renting an RV. If you're gonna rent an RV for more than a month, you should buy one and then resell it. Keep going. <laughs> I agree. I com- let's let's just that, let that be our commercial to anybody who's thinking totally. of getting this. Yeah. Uh, so my friend had this this uh, it was a 19 foot van coach, which is an RV built as an RV but on a van chassis. And so I bought that. Got a rack. Well, three racks later, got a Vespa rack for the back. And so it was able to continue traveling. And I still didn't know what I was going to be doing. There were no plans. There was no, oh, I'm going to go here and here and here. It was, oh, I'm over on the West Coast. Let's see what happens if I drive up to California, you know, Northern California and just kept going. And as this was happening, I obviously needed to earn short-term money, gas money, but I also needed to feel better about business. Um, I have been a business owner, entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, whatever coy term you want to use. But truly, since I was in my teens, I was a fitness professional actually for 23 years. So all of this tech stuff and the fact that I can do this is amazing to me. But I actually had um, a business 20-something years ago where I traveled all over the country teaching fitness classes. So I think there's always been something in me that said, move, move, keep going, keep going. And this is a little bit of an aside, but I think this might connect in with a lot of people who are attracted by this lifestyle. Severe ADD. And I mean, shiny object. Ooh, look at that. You know, turn my head and I'm on to the next thing. And what's interesting about now is that I'm sorry. Do you hear that? I apologize. I, that's, I, is that your dog? That's my Chihuahua who has decided he wants to. It's one of them. Sorry about that. I literally um, thought that was my stomach making a weird yeah. noise. I was looking at my <laughs> chest, like, is that me? <laughs> apologize, but real life, those are my co-pilots. But what I was saying is that I think for a lot of people for whom this life is attractive, there is a tad of attention deficit disorder in some way or another. 
And the beauty that I started to realize, both with the Vespa travel and then as I was getting into the RV travel, is that I was calmer in a, in good ways. I still had lots of energy, but I realized that I had been creating a lot of mental chaos because I needed to feed that, that you know, again, shiny object, things needed to change, things needed to, to be different all the time. So now instead... The chaos can be in the fact that I have a new location or I'm looking at something different or I'm moving or I'm driving 200 miles today. And then the internal dialogue and the business moves can all have a lot greater consistency. And I know that that might sound weird to people who, you know, have only ever worked at a desk or have been very, very stationary, have gone into an office. But I can create consistency in just the patterns that I have on a day-to-day basis. And now the fact that those patterns can take place in all sorts of different locations has allowed me to have a lot more calm and consistency in approach towards my business. That makes a lot. I mean, I I feel the exact same way. We've been in Austin for a little over a month now and we're hitting, this is our last week here and then we're hitting the road and I get antsy when we're not going and I, we've been talking about how just antsy we are to just get back out on the road and start traveling again because maybe it is the ADD thing a little bit, but you know, the work doesn't, like you said, the work doesn't change when you're out on the road. So there, there is the shiny object syndrome that you can uh, kind of satisfy with the travel, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're changing up your work all the time. You're still doing the same work. You're still right making leaps and bounds forward and growing your business and, and, you know, working hard, but it's not like you're that part of you is satisfied because you're getting to to travel. So, and I haven't, I haven't met a lot of female solo travelers and I haven't met any female solo travelers who are also entrepreneurs who are running their own business on the road. You need to meet more people. Okay, dude, I've (laughs) met a lot of people out on the road. I'm telling you, I know that you probably like, yeah, there's totally a ton of us and I'm sure that you're totally right. But I haven't met that many. So are where are they? I mean, is there like a is there a website I can look at to find all of these people? Well, there is, but you're not invited. Okay, because and- well, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a girl. I get it. Not a woman. You're not solo. But yeah, because that's even part of it. I'm just as all kidding aside, realize that there is some safety issue with publicizing that you're a solo female traveler, uh, and yeah. then a solo female business person traveler. Not that every business person makes lots of money, but that does immediately bring up a connotation of an easy mark. So that is, I kind of give kudos to all of my fellow solo women entrepreneurs that we do fly under the radar a little bit out of necessity and safety. That's part of it. But the other thing is, and and I say this with all love for all of you couple of friends of mine that RV, I am often in situations where I'm maybe with even 20 other RVers and only two of them are single. And so that's a, um, you know, that's just a nature of a lot of groups you know, are either couples or singles or solos or whatever you want to term you want to use. And, you know, if you're not kind of crossing the lines between one or the other, you might not realize how large that that segment is of solo travelers. So um, there's Facebook groups. There are certainly I I have a lot of um, 
I kind of look at my sort of RV friends and RV groups as one thing, but also just digital nomads and and solo women travelers. And uh, I've done a lot of like interviews, for instance, in the nomad community at large. So it's also there's a lot, maybe a lot more that are traveling, say, internationally than um, locally U.S. or, you know, traveling uh, in an RV in the uh, in the Americas, for instance. So. Yeah, there's yeah, plenty yeah. of us that are doing it. I promise you. <laughs> there's a there's a certain sense of uh, your like respect that you get, you know, because you're driving an RV across the country. And I mean, props. I mean, that is awesome. I mean, was there okay. was there any like ever a point where you were thinking well, there was a worry that because you know you're a female solo traveler that you know you're gonna have trouble doing this or did it never really come up or you were just like I yeah can do this. never never once like and maybe it should <laughs> no i mean i'm I, I was just sincerely asking you know i don't I yeah don't... no it's uh it i i think that i should have a bit more trepidation about what i do uh but it really doesn't uh phase me uh i have a tendency for instance to take my lovely little vintage rv off-roading <laughs> that's awesome um, I've had to be rescued by another solo female um, traveler with her very large one-ton truck that was fun but it's uh, by nature if you're going to go into this I think you're already a little bit more towards the adventurous more towards the independent anyway right if you look at the spectrum of of kind of personalities that's one thing if you're interested in doing this and maybe don't have that really innate like just uh, feel the fear and do it anyway to be cliche again. But if you don't have that really deeply inside of you and you're interested in doing this, then I really think that it behooves you to spend some time with somebody who's doing it, whether it's, you know, going out with a friend or going out with couples or finding groups to maybe caravan with for a little bit, because it is one of the most giving and sharing communities I've ever been a part of. And by community, I mean, the kind of overall RVers. So it's not like I couldn't turn in a moment's notice to Facebook groups or I've called up people or sent an email to somebody asking questions. So just being willing to do that, whether it's anything from really technical aspects of, you know, just functioning through business and connections, those kinds of things, or in my case, I do drive a 43-year-old RV with an old Mopar engine. So I'm also always asking people about, you know, advice on that. Or if it's simply, hey, can you check out, I knew that you were at this, you know, campground or this forest. What was the service like there? So just reaching out into the community has been has been the, the best part about it. this all. I kind of give much bigger props to people who did this 20 years ago. Because then you really were soloing. Or 40 years ago. Yeah, there was no was, fa- there was no Facebook groups. Right. <laughs> there was no, you know, oh, I only had, like, today I found myself in a spot with 3G service. And it was like, what? So, yeah, what you know, is, it's what a, is this? Is this dial-up? <laughs> is this making AOL sounds? What is happening right now? Worried. I was a little worried that I was going to start getting AOL messages. <laughs> I was going to call you and it's going to knock you offline. <laughs> that oh, So, talking about community, how have you went about, finding and meeting people on the road? I mean, like, have you just joined a lot of Facebook groups and, you know, did the, what the, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Did you meet people and then they told you about groups? Were you finding them on blogs? Or have, do, have you went to a lot of meetups or events, RV shows or whatever? How have you met people and built community? Because I think that's an important component for people to 
understand and hear about before they hit the road or even for us. I mean, we haven't been nearly as intentional as we could have about just meeting more RVers on the road. We're starting to, but I'd love to hear in a few years of doing this, what have you done to build that community of people who think the same way and travel and run businesses from the road? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, again, because of just forget groups and stuff like that, but just Facebook in general has for me, been the way that I've stayed connected or reconnected. So I'm in my 40s, so I'm 25 years past high school graduation, for instance. And when I was on the Vespa trip, I was able to visit with people I went to high school and college with and, you know, hey, I'm going to be passing through your town. And I was offered beds and, you know, restaurants and, you know, meals, those kinds of things. So that's been part of it is just like being more proactive than maybe my, uh, true nature would be because I do tend to be a little bit more of a solo person. So uh, it's reaching out is a little bit uncomfortable for me, which sounds weird to people who meet me, but it's actually true. Um, So just being a little bit more intentional that way. And then it really became a matter of, uh, I laugh because I was, it's a funny story. I was in a bathroom in a campground in Florida (laughs) And uh, it was Amelia on Amelia Island, and it was cold because it might be Florida, but it's pretty northern Florida. And the bathroom became the place to be because it was warm. And you you sort of end up seeing people and you're like, you instantly recognize yourself, right? Like, oh, that's another young or that's another female. That's another this or that. And I struck up a conversation with somebody who now I actually am having lunch with her on Sunday, and this will be our fifth time, I think, meeting up over the course of the the two and a half years. And so then because she was part of a group, she invited me to a Facebook group. And then just another time I was in a campground and I saw this couple, they circled the loop for the third time. So I was like, can I help you in a car, not an RV and uh, struck up a conversation with them. And they were living in Austin at the time and were a week away from buying their first RV. And that is Brittany and Eric Highland. Oh, nice. <laughs> so uh, I'm kind of their first RV friend, which is fun. And then it just became a matter of they then had, they're a lot more social. Well, Eric is certainly um, very, very social. So he he met people, you know, and it just became kind of a wave and you start to hear of people. So that's part of it is just like being open. And when you recognize that somebody it's not like we all have the same belief systems and all do the same thing for work or anything like that. But be, by having the commonality of wanting to travel and wanting to see this country or in some case, the Americas for people, I think it it gives a wonderful first entry into conversation. Totally. You have that unique common experience that says, yeah. you know, I, can, I can believe so many different things. I can you know, want to live my life in a kind of a different way or whatever, or I'm going to do something totally different for work. But i have had the same desire to live my life in a different way. And when you think about the the small, small subset of people in America and around the world who decide to live their life in a similar way as we have, you know, so much differently, it's like we are totally against the vast majority of people who are alive. You know what I mean? Sure. And we're doing something yeah. totally different. So you have something actually really big and common that kind of creates a cool experience when you first and anytime we meet somebody who is relatively young young can mean under 60 or 50 you know you immediately have thank you Heath. Good we appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's like you so i'm gonna say two things based on that number one and i'm gonna give another psa this is a life that we have very deliberately chosen 
And in doing so, I'm hoping that that reduces judgment of others' very deliberate choices. Because I really truly believe that if each one of us just lets other people live and let live and do what drives them and motivates them, we can be kind to one another without necessarily wanting to live the same way. And hopefully this kind of a lifestyle has shown many of us that kindness is really the way to go and respect for others' choices and beliefs. It makes things a lot smoother and a lot easier. And so that's my little PSA is just be kind and be open to the fact that you're making a choice and let other people do the same thing. Yeah. You're kind of talking about the friction that a lot of people get when they say they would like to go live in an RV. Yeah. I think any single like sort of uh, community or grouping or or, um, subset has maybe some set notions you know, there's, you're going to laugh because you know exactly where I'm going with this. What is a full-time RVer? (laughs) One of the, like, to me, it's one of those questions that it's like, wait a second, you made a deliberate choice to live a certain way. How come you're going to denigrate somebody else who's maybe living that path a little bit differently than you? Like, good for them. Let it be. Let it go. You know, I just think that every one of us is going to to go on this journey in a way that feels really great to us. And I think it's so cool that we get to do that and feel that way about others. Absolutely. Yeah, let, let them do what they do. Okay. So <laughs> train of thought, though, along with that is so as I started traveling more in, and um, getting you know more and more into this community, now we can kind of go towards business a little bit. And I realized there were a lot of WordPress people that do what I do or toward tan- tangential whatnot. So another couple that I met on the road and have now intersected with a bunch of times is uh, Jason and Kristen Snow of the Snowmads. We actually have met up with them twice, but we actually haven't. It hasn't been like overnight trips. So we've met up with them in Alaska and then a random gas station in New Mexico. <laughs> so when I say we haven't met up with anybody, we have met up with them twice, but just not like actually got to hang out okay. for extended period of time. It's been like a high and by. Well, I um we've done wineries together and uh it's it's been dangerous. So <laughs> <laughs> uh but but the the on the business side and part of why sometimes those conversations can go until midnight is because they're they both work for WordPress support. And my business is based around supporting people with WordPress sites. So it has been unbelievable to have you know, a connection that is something so, let's just face it, useful. Um, the fact that, you know, we can kind of talk RV and shop at the same time. Um, Absolutely. And we also have, each of us has a dog that they could be twins. So that's kind of fun too, you know. <laughs> so it's, um, and then along the way, three like, dogs. why I was just in Austin is I went to the WooCommerce, WooConf, the WooCommerce con- um, conference in Austin and it was being run by another full-time RVer, Maria Sparpello. Oh, wow. So that, you know, it's just, and it, she and I had crossed paths or missed each other on our paths for so, for so these three years. So I, I actually, my final decision to go was because she was running the conference and I was like, okay, I have to meet her. So, oh, wow. yeah. She works for WooCommerce? Yeah. She's uh, one of the head ninjas there and she runs their conferences too. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, talking about your business and what you do and helping people, helping support people with WordPress websites. I know you've met a ton of people who are also doing either they either have some type of job, you know, like the snowmads do, or they have uh, their own type of business, like you're doing that service base or something like that. 
So as far as running some type of freelance service-based business while you're on the road, do you think that that's a good way for a lot of people? Obviously, it depends. Everyone's different. But for you, I mean, as far as just maintaining support and taking calls and videos and things like that while you're traveling, how has that been for you? I, first of all, I highly recommend this kind of a business because it's very flexible. And that is very clear to all of my clients that one of the reasons I have a business is because it supports my life. And I'm very clear about it that I don't, for instance, we charge hourly and I'll tell them, and I'm not going to spend an hour on something that only took me 10 minutes because I'd rather be spending those 50 minutes outside hiking, exploring, you know, seeing our country. So it's, it's a very deliberate and conscious choice about how we run the business. Most of my work is not emergency, but the last five weeks, that's a whole different story. And I'll go that, into that in a second. So, um, it's, it's maybe 24 hours, 48 hours or seven day turnaround. So that's really nice because I can work hours that I want. So if I'm in a place that has great, you know, morning hikes, I can spend the morning just like I did right before our call. You know, I spend our, uh, my morning hiking and now we'll do this. I'll work for a little bit. So it's having something that has a ton of flexibility around it is awesome. The other aspect of it, and again, something that I can say publicly because I do say this to my clients, I call it turning on the tap when I know I'm going to have a lot of driving to do in the next couple of months. Like I'm I'm on my way from California to Maine at this point at five miles to the gallon. So gas is a thing, you know, it's something I have to consider it. So I work more so that I can have, you know, pay more expenses. And then when I don't feel like working as much, I don't seek extra, you know, projects or business. So it's nice to have that kind of flexibility, but still have it be my own business. Yeah. So you're working with uh, people, it could be small businesses, solopreneurs, mm-hmm. um, regular companies that may need help with their WordPress site, whatever. Yeah. How do you actually f- go about finding new clients? Like how you know while you're on the road, what, yeah, are, what has I been don't. the way that Isn't you find Isn't that a new beautiful clients? thing? Um, how I go about finding new clients is treating my existing clients like they're the most important things in the world, most important you know part of my world, and our entire uh, roster is referrals. So that's awesome. I think that taking the time you know to do that, but also letting people know you're open to referrals. So, for instance, we have an affiliate program. We pay 10% of any referral back in, in credit with our, with our, we, we sell something we call personal help time. We, so we sell an hour block. So somebody who makes a referral then could get their next two hours, for instance, paid for. So that's very compelling to, to people. Um, but it's also not such a high number that I can't afford to do it. You know, 10% is a really sweet spot there. It gives them, you know, certainly a nice thank you gift. And that's what we call it is a thank you gift. But it also isn't something that's going to break my business model. So it's a it's a nice balance. My entire client base for a year was based on kind of the networks of two people. And that was wonderful. Don't get me wrong. But I also realized that that was dangerous. <laughs> so um, I did, you know, expand out a little bit. But I was actually contacted back. I referred earlier to these websites we had built several years ago. I was contacted back by some of those companies saying, oh, yeah, your day maintenance. That's, you know, we need it. Or the white website is now actually has pictures back on it, you know, it was fixed. So I kind of reached back out into that network um, just a little bit more. And then they all refer 
you know, that's another set of referral circles for us. By the way, when I say us, I think this is an important thing about my business. Most of my work is actually done by my staff. So when I work a 20-hour work week, it's actually affecting 160 hours of work. And that's, I think, one of the greatest investments you can make in this kind of a business is getting really good at either outsourcing or having a remote staff, documenting your procedures, uh, you know, being able to kind of replicate yourself over and over again. Because the other thing is my business needs to still be running if, for instance, I'm at Crater Lake, where there is no data service for 40 miles. And I needed to build a business that wasn't just me in order for that business to also be able to run. So kind of keeping that all in balance has been very important. Do you have contractors or the people that you're paying per project? How does that work? Yeah, no, I have I, um, salaried staff. And I also bring in people. So if we have a coding project, we don't do like a real lot of high-end code or integration. So that's not somebody I need on on 24 hours a day. So I might bring somebody in or we've partnered with a couple of other higher level providers. So that way, if I have something that I need to, you know, kind of pass along to them, they get it done at, you know, high hour, higher hourly rates, of course, than my staff does. But that's quite all right, because sometimes we need that that level of work. Um, but for the most part, it's my staff is in the Philippines. I have a couple of U.S.-based people that we work with, again, part time. And the interesting thing then, of course, is they're almost, depending on where they are, they're between 10 and 11 hours different from us. So we cover a tw- 24-hour day by having them on board, too. I have clients in Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, Greece, London, or Great Britain, London, um, Spain, Portugal, Italy, and the United States. So we need to cover lots of time zones. That's that's great. Well, I'm going to wrap this up, but I have one last question before we do kind of like a quick Q&A at the end. But and I ask this each of the uh, episodes, but what does success look like for you in this lifestyle? Where are you working on building this this business and traveling around the country? If you could 20 years or whatever, look back on this time that you're spending traveling and, you know, working, what would have made it successful for you? For me, it's uh, contentment, which is a different definition than happiness. So contentment is that each day I know I've made a choice to be where I am and Sometimes it means that I'm working like crazy and that's okay. And sometimes it means that I'm just sitting and reading a book next to a beautiful creek. And it's just that I was able to make a choice that day as to what I was doing. So success to me is supporting my my staff and their their families and their lives in the fact that I'm doing something that I'm both passionate about and have put my own talents toward. Uh, our tagline is, you focus on your genius, let us focus on ours. And so I think the ultimate definition of success is that I've continued to live that so that I've allowed other people to open up into what they do best in their lives because I'm supporting them by doing what I do best in mine. That's wonderful. Thank you. And uh, a couple just quick questions to wrap up. Uh, What kind of internet do you use while you're on the road? Do you use Verizon? So you probably just heard the ding because I use my cell phone. Um, (laughs) I have Verizon and a hotspot off of my phone. And so interestingly enough, in the last two months, I've moved from um, an LG G3, so that was only 18 months old, to um, the new Samsung Note 5. And I am now getting significantly better speeds with technically the same data service. But I think that the phone makes a difference. 
Awesome. How many gigs are you using per month? <laughs> 43. Oh my gosh. Do you have unlimited? No, I have 43. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. I have the app on my phone that actually is like the one of the, um, it's a little widget that it actually shows me. So as soon as I open up my phone, it's my screensaver. And I, I, there have been a couple of months I've paid that 15 per gig over, but my biggest secret, not so secret, but my biggest tip to anybody that travels consistently when you're um, moving, find a Lowe's parking lot, park on the contractor side and do whatever huge heavy downloads you need to do up and down their, their Wi-Fi rocks. Really? I did not know that about Lowe's. And by the way, you know that there's a family setting that you may know about with Verizon that they'll shut you off if you hit your limit and then you can add more data if you need to, but that way you don't have to pay the overages. Yeah, we pay the overages though. I mean, but you pay the overages. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. And do you have any favorite apps while you're traveling? Oh, favorite apps while I'm traveling. So for travel, I certainly things like uh, Passport America for for being able to find kind of quick spaces on my way through if I need to actually go to an RV park, but I tend to boondock most often. So that's, that's part of it. Um, my other, the other apps, like I run my business based on screen share and recording things. So Snagit, which is the mid version from TechSmith, they have, um, uh, screen, what was this? What was it called? Oh my goodness, they're they're a low level program, <laughs> and then they're Camtasia. So that's the same company. I just find that Snagit super easy to use for recording things on the quickly on the computer, and then join me for screen sharing um, with clients. Those are I, I could not run my business without them, and find that to be very important. And then other than that, I'm trying not to appify my life. Nice. Yeah. Keep it, keep it clean and simple. And if you're, if you're cool with sharing this and if you're not, we can totally keep passing on. Do you have a kind of a monthly budget that you've seen as an average over the few years that you've been traveling? Um, budget is not a, it is a dirty word for me. I'm not great or, or care to budget. Um, well, I'm yeah, not, but... yeah, I guess not. That's the wrong word. It's like not necessarily budget, but your average expenses, yeah, you know, so, it's kind of helpful pe- people to hear that, I think. So I will tell you, I have my major expense is that I have this ridiculous love for vintage RVs. This is my second one. And um, like I just, no joke, dropped f- over $5,000 in Austin in a couple of days of repairs. So that's my big expense, quite honestly. And then it tends to be gas my love of farmers markets and wine. So I can do a month on a thousand dollars and I've easily done a month on $10,000. So, um, it varies greatly and it usually varies with how Olive RV is doing. (laughs) So, um, but one of the great, the, you know, I kind of, uh, alluded to this with turning on the tap and turning it off is if I know I have a lot of expenses, I will just dig in, stay somewhere for a month and be very, very stationary so I can get a lot of work done. And, uh, if I, you know, uh, I can just goof off or whatever if I don't need as, as much, but, um, boondocking is a lot easier out West. And so now as I'm moving East, I do know that the expenses are going to go up. And, uh, I actually am already booked for Key West for this coming winter because I, you have 11 months in advance that you can book. And so with that, I had said, okay, next winter is going to be my expensive winter. But since I booked in at the state parks, they, they take payment up front. So I've already paid for next December through March (laughs) for the majority of my expenses, but it's like $1,300 a month just for the camping. Wow. Yeah. And that's at state parks. I mean, there are people that pay $3,000 to to stay at RV parks. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. 
And this might this is my last okay. question, but when you look back on all the experiences that you've had in your RV while you were traveling around the past few years, what one moment sticks out the most to you is the most special? If like if you just think about it, the first one that comes to mind is like, man, that was an amazing moment. What was that? Um, <laughs> sorry, that just caught my throat a little bit. I spent my forty second birthday traveling from one end of the other of Badlands National Park four times on the Vespa and just sun up, spent with this wonderful couple traveling through that I'll never see again, bought them breakfast at Wall Drug, you know, this kind of like random encounter and then just gave myself the day at the park and then just, you know, rode the Vespa one end to the other as sun was setting over that incredible lunar-esque landscape. And, you know, just at one point, my dad called and I was like a part of me wished that somebody could have been there with me, you know, um, because like what I was looking out and I just was saying, I can't even describe this to you. And I just went to bed that night so happy and realizing the contrast between 40 and 42 was so drastic and uh, very grateful. Wow. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Jill, so much for being on the show. Where can people learn more about you? Sure. So our company is ultimatewphelp.com. So if anybody does have WordPress needs or wants to partner with us, we always love um, working with great graphic designers, developers. Um, We do a lot of subcontracting work. So happy to talk to people about that. And then my hardly ever updated, but certainly fun to read blog is vespaandalaptop.com. So it's vespaandalaptop.com because those are the essentials in my life. <laughs> and then just Facebook, look me up, Jill Sessa. I'm always happy to chat and take questions. I am often asked about, you know, hey, my friend is a, is, is a solo woman thinking about RVing. Will you talk to her? Absolutely. Because that's the best thing that we can do is be a community for one another. That's so, so great. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time and enjoy your travels around the East Coast this summer. Thanks so much, Heath. I really hope I finally get to meet you and Alyssa at some point. <laughs> same here. Same here. Today. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Jill was awesome, and we had a lot of fun recording that. I'm always open to bringing on new and exciting guests to the podcast who are all traveling cross-country and running some kind of remote or freelance business. So if you happen to know somebody or you are somebody who fits that bill, go to the show notes page at heathpaget.com forward slash episode 17. That's episode spelled out and then the number 17 and leave a comment. Or you can grab my email on my website and reach me directly. You can also find all the links and ways to reach Jill over at heathpadgett.com forward slash episode 17. On the next episode of the podcast, I sit down with a couple who has been living on a sailboat for the better part of the past 10 years and is currently transitioning into living on a bus. So we're going to dive into the ways that they build up their work and their income living on a boat for the past 10 years and how they foresee that transitioning into living in an RV. Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and I'll see you next week on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.